It's great to see everybody here. Happy Easter. Great to be able to come together today and worship together. Thanks for you guys that are joining us online. So we're going to jump right in today because, again, we got a lot to talk about, a lot to work through uh, as we come together on this Easter Sunday. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about is this whole idea of, like, what for me, I process even when it comes to every Easter Sunday. So way back when, um, I was somewhat, I would consider naive when it came to, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, again, although I grew up in a church, I never really thought through that much about what was going on, what was happening, what was anybody teaching. And so when I gave my life to Christ and somebody told me to read the Bible, I read the Bible as if like everything that was going on inside of the Bible is true right? Like everything that's happening inside of the Bible is true. And that if this is what's happening in the Bible, the big disconnect for me was, so then why doesn't it happen in life, right? Like that was the big disconnect for me. So if it was that the Bible says these amazing things happen, right? Like these are going to be the amazing things that are going to happen. I'm going to read about the miraculous. I'm going to read about all the incredible things that, that God is doing. And then we get to life, right? Then we go out and you look at your life and you're like, what's the big disconnect, right? Because it doesn't seem as if there is that kind of power. Does that make sense, right? So you read about it, but then you watch the way either I would live my life or how I would see other people live their life, and I thought there was this big disconnect. It's kind of like this. It's like you get together for every Easter Sunday, you know, and this is what's good and bad about Easter Sunday, right? So we get together you know, and we, we celebrate, right, that there's an empty tomb. Amen to anybody? Amen. That, that's, that might be one of the exciting parts about Easter Sunday, right? Is, is not only is there an empty tomb, but Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And for all of us in here, like this is the thing that we need to understand. Because he rose from the dead, so can we, right? And we're all going to celebrate that. And we're all going to be excited. And we're going to get together. And we're going to worship. And we're going to you know, scream at the top of our lungs, all the amazing things that God's going to do. But then here's the tendency, right? Or here's the thing that happens, right? Is then Monday comes, right? Then what do you do with Monday? Because you can be excited about Jesus Christ raising from the dead, and you can be excited that you are then not going to, to spend eternity lost, but you're going to be able to come to a place where you get to spend eternity in heaven, and you get life goes on, and you can be excited about that. But what do we do about Monday? What do we do about the rest of our life? Because I think what happens with a lot of us is that we get excited about where we're going, and we're going to celebrate it but then we go back and exist in life until we get there, right? Like you just, I'm just going to make it through. I'm just going to, you know, get to the end. I'm just going to look forward to the day that I can spend eternity with Jesus. Like I'm going to get to that place, but at the end of the day, I can't wait to get there, but till I get there, I'm just going to try to figure out how to make it, right? Well, I think what I want to talk to us about today, not that I think, I know, like this is what I want to talk about today is, is that there's so much more than just existing until you get there someday, Right? There's so much more that, that God has for us on this earth that we don't want to just try to figure out how to exist or how to just make it through. Like We want to be able to figure out how to live, and this is what we've talked about, we want to figure out how to live a resurrected life. Right? Because there is, and this is what you're going to see, there is power in the resurrection. 
right? There's power that we get from the Holy Spirit to be able to live that way. So the hope is that we as Christian people cannot just look for what is to come, empty tomb, we're going to live someday, we get to spend eternity with him, but what do we do from now till then? Right? And how do we live with a power that transforms our life? And how do we live in such a way that, that we can then make a difference? Well, the same concept was with the disciples, right? So if you go back and you look at the resurrection, here's what's crazy about it. And so, you know, if you go through the story and hopefully you read that or did the journey of the cross this week, it was like living in this, this seriousness of his death and like at the end of the day that everything is over and then all of a sudden they see an empty tomb. But you know what they did too after they saw an empty tomb? They went back to a room scared. Right? Isn't that interesting? Like, after they saw the tomb being empty, they still went back to a, a room afraid for their life, right? It's not like they just left as soon as they saw an empty tomb and said, We're gonna go out and preach the gospel. Now we're gonna go out and preach the gospel. Everybody's life's gonna be changed, right? That didn't happen. So, what was the difference? Right? So what was the difference for the disciples who saw an empty tomb and a resurrected Savior to the point where they're going out changing the world, like what we read about in Acts? Right? What was different for them? Because once we understand what was different for them, you can also understand what needs to be different for us. Because we end up in that same place. Yes, he's resurrected, but then we live a life of like fear, or we live a life of we're not going to be able to do any more than just exist. So how do we get over or how do we get past that connection and how do we do those things? So I want to build somewhat of a case for you today because this is what uh, Jesus did with the disciples because here's one of the things that I think everybody in this room knows. We tend to do what we believe, right? Does that make sense? So like if you believe something, you're going to you know, carry out an action of your life. So whatever it is that you believe, you're going to have a tendency to do. As simple as, if I, if I believe that it takes gas or diesel to run my vehicle, I'm going to put it in and I'm going to believe, then drive it, right? Because I believe that's what we need to do. Simple, right? For all of us, our belief system changes how we act in our life, right? So here's what Jesus knew. He knew at some point the disciples' belief system was going to be challenged. Does that make sense? So he knew at some point they were going to have to call upon the things that they believed to truly understand how to be able to take action into their life, right? They were going to have to try to understand what they were going to need to do. So Jesus spent a significant amount of time building a case, right? Building a case that would say, here's the things that you need to believe so that when we get to this point, you can call upon it and you'll be able to live it out or to live a resurrected life because he knew that these things were going to be challenging for him. So here's one of the things that he said to him. So this is in John 14, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14. So John 14, 12 through 14 is before Jesus' death and before his resurrection, but it was building a case or building a platform so that the people of God or the disciples could have a belief system that when they, when they uh, needed to call upon it, they could call upon the things that they believed. So here's what he tells them. He says in John 14, starting in verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And I think Here's where the disciples were, because this was like real time for them. So they were walking around with Jesus, and now Jesus sits them down in, in a room, and here's what he says to them. 
you know those things that I've been doing, like the works that I've been doing? So you know how, you know, when we were on the hill and everybody was out of food and we took the fish and we fed 5,000 people, you know that? And you remember when that one guy was blind and we went up and we made, you know, some, a poultice out of mud and we put it on the to, onto their eyes and that person saw? Or do you remember the person that couldn't speak and we went up to him and, you know, we prayed over him and that person could speak? And do you remember the person that was a paralytic and he was, you know, let, let down through the roof and we was let down through the roof, they prayed for him and the paralytic could then walk again. He said to get up and take your mat and walk again. Or do you remember the person that was out on the rock that was demon-possessed and he walked up to the person who was demon-possessed, and, and we prayed over him, and all of the demons went into the pigs, and it's kind of a crazy thing, and all the pigs went over the edge, right? But then this guy was completely normal again, right? Do you remember those stories? Let me tell you, those works, you're going to do them. Now think about this. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but let's just say, because he is saying it to you, but how much do you really believe that? I mean, think about this. I mean, I, in all of us, this is somewhat of a, like taking us back because it's not a surprise Jesus could do it. You know where the surprise comes in? So can you. You know, the surprise comes in when he says, you are going to do the same works that I did. That's when the surprise comes. And I think the disciples were like many of us, if you were sitting in this room, you know, and he said it to you, you'd be going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be agreeing with him, but you would be following it for later because you're like, there ain't no way in God's green earth that I'm ever doing the things that Jesus did, wouldn't you? Right? I just, that would be me. I would be like, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. But I mean, we could barely, you know, do the normal things, right? Like, and you're going to say we're going to do that now. Not only did he say that, you're not going to do the works that I'm doing, but he also says you're going to do greater. And I think that's just where the point where the disciples were like, okay, we don't get it, we don't understand it, but here's what everybody, this is like a human nature thing. When you hear something that you can't completely process, you file it away for when you need it again someday. That's what people do. Like if you don't really know, you file it away somewhere, and once you file it away somewhere, then at some point that recall, like you're going to need it again, gets recalled, and then you bring it back, and then that recall has to come to the point where do I believe it or do I not believe it? Does that make sense? So then when you recall it and it comes to the forefront, you have to make a decision, and he knew they might not understand it right now, but there was going to be a point in the disciples' life where they're going to have to decide whether or not they believe this or not. Because there was going to be a time, think about this, there was going to be a time that the disciples were going to ask, be asked to pray for somebody to heal them. What are you going to do? Right? Because if, if you don't believe it, I get you're not going to do it, or you're going to do what I did before I believed it. You know, I prayed my prayers before I really believed that God could do these things, because I had to struggle with this in the beginning. I always prayed like, God, I know you can heal them, but your will be done. Yeah. So I always had an out, you know what I mean, in case it didn't work. Like, in the beginning, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, in the beginning, like, I wasn't really confident, you know, that God could do those things, you know, and I'm sitting there like, I want to pray and I want to believe it, but what about the people around me and what if it doesn't happen and what are they going to think and how is their faith going to be affected and so what should I do, right? I mean, I settled that then, you know, because when he says this, 
I believe it. So if he says that blind people can see again, I'm going to pray for it. If he says that lame people can walk again, I'm going to pray for it. If he says that the paralytic can get up and walk, if he says that the mute can speak, if he says those things and he says that I can do them, that I'm going to pray for him in faith. What happens at the end, whether it does or doesn't happen, isn't anything to do with me. Right? But at the end of the day, my responsibility is to believe because I'm going to be asked just like the disciples and you're going to be asked just like the disciples Do you believe, will you pray for? Will you believe that you do have something different now inside of you in the power and you're going to come to that place? Now, we got to figure out, though, that like there was still this big disconnect, right? So there was still this, like, we're going to file it away. We don't really know if we're going to be able to do it. We also know that it didn't come about until, you know, afterwards. So Jesus Christ dies on the cross. They go in a room. They're still hidden away. But then... If you read, this is the coolest thing, so you might already know this, so this is just another, you know, add it to your list of things that you already know. If you don't know this, this is really cool, you should do this. So if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's, you know, those are the gospels. So those are accounts of Jesus' life, his death, his, when he was born, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Then Acts, the reason it's called Acts is because it's the Acts of the Apostles, you can read about what a person who believes this will be able to do on the earth, right? That's what the Acts of, if you read Acts of the Apostles, you're going to see a group of people who believed that they were going to do more than Jesus Christ ever did on this earth, right? And because they believed it, the Acts of the Apostles, when I read it, I'm sitting back there like, whoa, People preaching and thousands of people getting saved, right? People just touching Peter and being healed, right? Like things happening because they believed that that's the way that it was going to be. So what was the disconnect and what needs to be connected together for them and what needs to be connected together for us so that we can leave an Easter Sunday and live a resurrected life? Right? What is it that needs to change? What needs to be connected for each one of us? And that's what we're going to see in Acts. Right? So Acts 1, 1 through 11, connects the dots. So it's Jesus Christ died, the tomb is empty, to how do we put together this idea of a resurrected life and how do we live in a way that, that reflects that we believe back to what it said in John 14. Okay? So here's what he says. He says in verse 1, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote all about, that, all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to have them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he settled something right in the beginning, right? So in the beginning, here we are, Jesus Christ dies on the cross. He goes to the tomb. The tomb is empty, but then instead of just ascending right to the Father, he comes back, right? And he comes back and he spends 40 days plus talking to people. Why was that so important? And why was that going to be important to the apostles? Well, I think he was helping an age-old 
question or an age-old problem that all of us have, right? And I don't know if you have this today, but a lot of people that you talk to, whether they want to admit it or not, have this fear. They have the fear of death. Like, what happens if I die? Like, what's going to happen afterwards? And maybe if you don't have it for yourself, you might have it for somebody you love. What happens if I lose? Right? Or what happens if somebody else dies? Like, we don't know why there's such a fear, but part of the reason we have a fear is because it's a fear of the unknown. Right? It's a fear of what's next because what Jesus was trying to settle and he knew he needed to settle this for his disciples. If he could settle this concept of the fear of the unknown, then back to what shall you fear? Right? Because what's the worst thing that could ever happen to you? Yeah, you go home. Right? That's what he was trying to help each one of his disciples understand. Because I think still at this point, the disciples, and maybe us too, are still in love with the world. You know what I mean? So when we talked about the whole idea of like, um, you know, death and or Jesus Christ coming back, usually most people don't want it, right? They're like, can we just wait a little bit more because, you know, we haven't got married yet, right? Or we haven't had kids yet, or you know what I'm saying? It's like whatever's going on in your life. Right? You're like, can't we just get to this point you know, where we can experience this thing? Or when it comes to Jesus coming back, can Jesus just wait a little bit? Right? So what he was trying to get us to understand is this whole idea that by him coming back and showing himself, you don't need to fear death. Like the worst thing that could ever happen to you is this. Look, you're alive. And he knew, he knew, like you don't have this yet. You know, and I'm going to say something that maybe people aren't going to like. Like, you as adults don't have this today, but your kids and maybe their kids are going to experience this someday, that if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that your life is going to be threatened. And I think that day is coming. Like, I don't think you have it today, and I don't even know that our kids are having it, but their kids, our kids' kids, might experience in the United States of America for the first time ever that if you're going to preach the gospel openly, you either are going to be jailed, put in prison, and or your life could be put on the line. And he knew this was the disciples, right? Like this is a reality for them. He knew that this was going to come up. So if he, if they saw Jesus alive, what would keep them from just keep on preaching? Right? He knew that they were going to have to, their belief system, you remember how we talked about this in the beginning? Like their belief system was going to have to change. Like they're going to have to decide what their belief system was. So at the end of the day, they had to make this decision. What's my belief system going to be? If I believe that Jesus Christ not only rose from the dead, that he is alive, and that I can experience the same thing, I'm going to keep preaching because who really cares? I can't die. Right? Like I can't die. They can't kill me. They can take this earthly tent and they can do whatever they want with it, but I'm not dying. My kids aren't dying, right? Like nobody around me is dying. Like they're living forever, so I'm going to keep preaching regardless of the persecution that comes. So he settled something in him. In the beginning, like we got to settle this belief system issue and and we're going to keep calling upon what we talked about in John 14. Then he goes on and he says this, And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait 
for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he, again, settles with them this whole idea of I'm going to come back and I'm going to show you that I'm going to be alive. But then he also talks to them about a gift, right? That I'm going to give you a gift and this gift is going to change things for you. So you know how we were talking about, like, how do you get from the place of just sitting in the upper room being ineffective to thousands of people getting saved? Right? Remember that? That was clear back in the beginning. Right? Like, that's the part that we were trying to settle. Like, how do you get to that place? And how do you get to that understanding? How do we get to that place where we can see those those things happen in our life? How do we get to the place where when you read Acts and you look at our life, that those two things match up? This is where it is. This is where it comes from. The gift of the Holy Spirit, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit now lives in you, right? And what you're going to see here in a little bit is that gift of the Holy Spirit isn't to just give you comfort, but that gift is to give you power, right? It's not just so that you can feel comfortable and it can be your conscience, right? Like, I think that's too much how we think about the Holy Spirit. It's just our conscience. And we talked about this, you know, on Wednesday night. Like, so many times we just see it as our conscience. But it's so much bigger than that, right? The Holy Spirit coming is to do this. You know, where uh, it talks about this in the Bible. You know, he says, if you're going to live a life for me, that you could add, that he's going to do more through you than you could ever ask for and imagine. You know, he says that. Like, I'm going to do more. And I... <laughs> I ask for a lot and imagine a lot. So I keep thinking, I have no idea how that's possible. You know how that's possible? Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Says this, you will be able to do more than you could ever ask for or imagine. That's a resurrected life. That's not a life of existing. That's not a life of just getting through. A resurrected life says there's a power that's going to be living inside of me that's going to do things that nobody could ever stand. That's why it's a gift. Like the gift wasn't just to be make you feel good until you get home. The gift was given to you for this reason and this reason only, to change the world and have the power to change the world, not just to make it through life unscathed. Right, And so you know, you know how we talked about, like, you got to figure out this belief system. Because if you don't believe it, then it's not going to drive the actions of your life. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit living inside of you was put inside of you so that you could do more than you could ever ask for or imagine? And if you do, you are going to do things more than just showing up for church. Right? You're going to go back to John 14, and you're going to start believing that he says... Whatever works that I did, you're going to do. And not only are you going to do it, you're going to do more than I could ever do. Right? And you're going to start believing it, and things around you are going to start happening that you can't explain. You know why that's a good thing? Because God gets the glory and not you. When I can explain away your life, when I can explain away what your gifting is, then it's probably too much of you. Because the gifting of the Holy Spirit living inside of a person is unexplainable. I mean, if you've been around it, you just look at it and you'd be like, I don't, I, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to quantify it. I don't know how to put it together. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. What's happening right now is unexplainable. 
That is what he's trying to say. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I keep saying, listen to me, listen to me. Too many times in life, we live as existers and not overcomers. Right? You're just trying to get through. You're just trying to exist. You're just trying to make it to the next day. You're just trying to, you know, I just got to get by. I just got to make it. I just got to make it. And he's like, listen, do you realize that Jesus Christ is living in you? And do you realize that he said to you that you're going to do more than he did while he's on this earth? And you're just trying to figure out how to exist? You're just trying to figure out how to get through? Like, that's not what he wants for you. Right? He's given you the power to be an overcomer. Live like an overcomer. Right? Live as if you have a power that's not of you. Right? And when we live that way, God's power is put on display. Then he goes on and he talks about this in verse 6. He says, Then he gathered around them and asked, and they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And I just wanted to make sure we stopped at this point because I think it's way interesting that the disciples, you know, at the time of what they were doing is a lot like us. So, you know, they, they're like, oh, Jesus Christ died on the cross and we were desperate, but now he rose again and now he's sitting in the same room. And you know what the first thing that they wanted from him? Comfort. Isn't that weird? Hey. Can you bring comfort back to our life by restoring the, king, the nation of Israel so we don't have to put up with Rome anymore, so we don't have to have the tyranny anymore, so we don't have to have the pain anymore? Isn't it interesting that the disciples are just like us? So you're, and you're like, power of the Holy Spirit, Easter Sunday, God, can you just make my life comfortable? Can you just make it a little bit less invasive? Can you just make my life better? Can you just give me what I need to be able to make it through today? Just, we're just so much the same, right? That, that we're looking at, again, he's sitting here saying, you know what's living inside of you is the same thing that raised people from the dead. And you're like, hey, can you just make me comfortable? Can you just make my day easier? Isn't that crazy to think about this? Like he's sitting up there saying, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living inside of you, raised people from the dead, and what you're asking me for is to make you comfortable, right? Like that's the, you know, that's the, the irony of all of this is, is that the disciples were confused just like we get confused, right? We get confused that we think that the whole idea of the Holy Spirit living inside of us is just to make our life better. The, the Holy Spirit living inside of you is to make it so that you could live on purpose, Right? Like he's not living inside of you so you can just exist. He's not living inside of you so you can just be comfortable. He's not even just giving you the power so you can be a better person. He's giving you, back to what we said in the beginning, purposely he's giving you power inside of you to be able to change the world. Right? So he's saying it's not about comfort. And so anybody that's ever lived, you know, your Christian life for a while, this is the thing that you're going to understand if you let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in your life, I'll guarantee you something. You might not want to hear this. You will never be comfortable. Never. You will be content because you're living on purpose, but you will never be comfortable. Right? Because the Holy Spirit, remember when we talked about this? Like, this is really important. You know why he doesn't want you comfortable? Well, the reason that he doesn't want those things in your life, because when we're comfortable and we're living our lives, you know who usually gets the glory inside of our comfort? 
You. You know when you're living uncomfortable outside of yourself, you know who usually gets the glory? God. Because people are looking at you saying, there ain't no way he could do that. There ain't no way that she could do that. There's no way. And so at the end of the day, people are like, yes, look at what God's doing. I know it's uncomfortable, and I know these things are outside of the ordinary, but God is doing amazing things, and that's what he wants for each one of us. Then he goes on, and he says this. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive what? Power. Now listen. When he says this, this we got to stop for a second because power means power, right? Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to put it. You will be given something, the Holy Spirit, that will give you a power to do something that you could never do on your own, right? So this whole idea of Jesus on Sunday, but back to a normal life on Monday doesn't add up because that's not what he told you, right? He told you that Monday should be different. You know why Monday's different? Because you have power that you didn't have before. You know, when you live a resurrected life, you have a power that you didn't have before because of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. And he tells you this, I gave you this power for one reason and one reason only, so that you can be my, it's up there, right? <laughs> I had to do this in the first service. I was like, it's still up there. He, you're given power, you will be my witness. You see, here's something that uh, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. We've been talking about it and doing the Revelation series, but here's one thing that you can be guaranteed if you don't know this. Eternity in heaven is better than earth. It just is. I mean, I know it's hard to understand, and I know it's hard to process, and I know maybe you've never seen it before, but eternity in heaven is not only better, a thousand times better than this earth, right? And so here's what you have to know. So if eternity is a thousand times better than where we are today, then why am I still here? And why are you still here? Because if we are saved by the grace of God and we're going to spend eternity with him, let's just get it over with. Anybody? Let's get it over with. I'd much rather go home. I'd much rather be done with this. I would much rather him come back. Right? So why am I still here? For one reason and one reason only. To be a witness. And that's why you were here. You know what the crazy thing about being a witness is? This is the part that I think people get confused on. See, witnesses tell stories. That's what a witness does. They see something, and then they tell somebody, let me tell you about what I witnessed. Yeah, what I saw, right? Like, let me tell you about what this is like. You know what the problem is? You know why it's so hard to be a witness? You know, sometimes as Christians, they see this and they're like, I can never be a witness. And, you know, part of the reason is, is that they're like, because I don't know very much about the Bible, right? So I can't be a witness. And I'm like, listen, here's the deal. You know why it's a real struggle to be, talk about or to be a witness? Because you don't have a story. And I'm not talking about your salvation story. I'm talking about 
the Holy Spirit living inside of me is, is allowing me to do more than I could ever ask for or imagine. Let me tell you the story, what he did. Let me tell you what happened yesterday when the Holy Spirit asked me to call somebody and I called him and this happened. Or he asked me to pray for somebody and this happened. Or he asked me to walk across the room and I walked across the room and this happened. Those are the stories and that's the witness. Don't complicate it. You don't have to know the Bible to be a witness. Who you need to know is Jesus Christ who's living in you. Because the greatest thing that you could ever do is to say, let me tell you about my witness. <laughs> let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you about the things that God's doing inside of me. Let me tell you about why I know that he is living. You know why I know that he's living? You know why I can celebrate and sing inside of each one of those songs? It's not because I intellectually know it, because it's in me. It's in me. Like, it's undeniable. You know why it's so easy for me to witness to people and tell you the story about a living Jesus? Because he's alive. You know why it's so hard sometimes as Christian people to be a witness of a living Savior? It's because he's dead. Anybody? I mean, you can say that he's alive, but you're living as if he's dead. You're living as if you have no power. You're living as if he's just like gone and just waiting for you to someday come back, right? You need to live with an expectation of what it says in John 14. You and me will do the works that he did and more. That's what we need to live with, right? That's the power that we need to live with because listen, listen, you're living in a world that needs your story and that needs your witness. And not a witness of all the crap that's going on. Listen, you need, you need to be, you know, a witness. It's just like, I don't even know what to say. It's like you get to these places, you're just like, holy crap. That's the hillbilly way of saying Jesus is working. <laughs> right? Like you have no idea how to explain it. So you're just like, holy crap, I don't know what to tell you. I don't even know how to explain the things this God's doing. I don't have any idea how to tell you, but here's what I can tell you. Things are happening way more than I could ever ask for or imagine, and it has nothing to do with me and ever everything to do with him. You should come and see it. You should be a witness. Because I'm telling you, once you see it, once you're a part of it, it changes you forever. Right? That's what he, that's what he says for each one of us. And he says, that's the purpose of why you're here. And I, I just want you to think about this for a second. Are you living a resurrected life? Are you living as if that what's living inside of you? Because you know that's a guarantee, right? This isn't like a selective process. I probably should back up. It's not a selective process of who gets the Holy Spirit. Right? It's not like pastors or teachers or spiritual leaders get the Holy Spirit. And it's not like a spiritual leader or a pastor gets more of the Holy Spirit. We all get the same. The spirit that's living in me is the spirit that's living in you. And it's the same spirit who said to us that you're going to do John 14 more than Jesus did. And I'm expecting you to do it. And so I'm just asking you this question, and maybe you can go out with this today and think about this. Are you living a life of expectancy? Are you expecting the Holy Spirit to use you in a way that's way beyond you could ever ask for or imagine? Amen. Yeah, right. right? Like, because if you aren't, 
How are you going to be a witness? Just think about this. Like, how are we going to be a witness if we're living as if he's dead? You need to live expectantly. Like, it's not saying this happens every single day, but I guarantee you, if you live expectantly to say, God, you know what? I believe this. I believe that you living inside of me is going to be able to allow me to do things way beyond whatever I could ask for and imagine. I'm saying it every day, but it's going to happen. And you know why? Because that's what he tells us. It's a promise that I believe, that I'm to be a witness, and that if I am a witness, God can do his work through me, right? And that's what I want for each one of us. Then he goes on at the end, and he says this. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Then they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back and in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. So the worship team is going to come back up. I want to finish with this. A couple things to pay attention to because, again, I think this just goes back to human nature. So he just gets done telling them all of these things, like you're going to get a power and all this great thing's going to happen and, you know, Holy Spirit's going to live inside of you, but this, still this human nature is as soon as Jesus leaves, they're like, I wish we had you. You know, we wish for something other than what we have. Anybody? Yeah. Right? Like you get to this place where you're like looking up, wishing for, right? And this is how, this is what happens in life way too many times. Way too many times you wish for something you're never going to have while you miss what's right in front of you, right? Like you're wishing back something that could never change, right? You're looking into and wondering when and hoping if this will come back, and this is what they were doing. Like he just told them all these things, and they're still like, Jesus, like it'd just be so much better if you were back. It'd just be so much better if life was, you know what I mean? You could just fill in the blank. Each one of us do that. If it could just be, and he's like, but it is. Stop looking up and start looking out to the purpose that I gave you for today because I got something for you. Because here's the thing that, you know, I think too many times we gloss over, right? I think we get to this place and we see him and we're like looking up into heaven and we're like, you shouldn't be looking into heaven. Like you should be looking down and you should be looking for your purpose. And, and I think we miss really what the intent of how he wanted to wrap all of this up because it's funny how... He does that because here's the way that he wraps it up. He says, listen, don't be looking up into heaven, right? Like that same Jesus that you saw going into heaven is what? He's coming back. <laughs> He's coming back. See, here's something I want you to see and I want you to hear and I don't want you to miss this. So if you've been totally checked out the rest of this service, don't miss this. He is coming back whether it's at the end of your life or the rapture of his church, he is coming back. You don't know the time and you don't know the hour or whether you're going to leave this earth or when he's going to come back, but he's assured you of something. He is coming back, and at the end of that time, he assures you of this. You will give an account of your life. You will give an account of whether you lived on purpose as a witness to the greatest thing that could ever happen inside of mankind, 
that Jesus Christ gave you a gift of the Holy Spirit that's going to live inside of you to give you power to transform the world. And he's going to give an, you're going to give an account. What would you do with it? Did you just look up the whole time waiting for what's to come? Did you look up wishing that life was different? Did you live as somebody that was just going to exist and not an overcomer? Because he says, this life that I've given you, nobody knows the time and nobody knows the day, but you're going to give an account for it. And I want us as a church and as a people to live expectantly that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, doing more than Jesus ever did on this earth. And I'm going to expect him to use me to transform the lives of people and do all of those things because on my watch, when I'm on this earth, I want to be on mission because I'm going to give an account. Will you stand? I want to uh, read a prayer to you that's been a prayer that I've read here at Life Church numerous different times. It's a prayer that I read on a significant basis because, you know what the problem with me is, is just like it is with everybody else, we tend to just go back to what's comfortable. Anybody? You know what I mean? Like you could get challenged and you could get fired up and then life comes and then you just try to go back to being safe and being comfortable. And so I read this prayer from Sir Francis Drake all of the time. And I want to read it to you and I want it to be your prayer, right? And it's called Disturb Us. Right? And here's what it says. Disturb us, Lord, when we're all too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we have arrived safely, why? Because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of the things that we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. To serve us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your majesty. Where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. You know, I think there's a time in our life where that should be our continual prayer, disturb us. We're way too close to the shore. We've missed the majesty of God because you're way too close to the shore. You've missed seeing the Holy Spirit work because you've been living your life safely. You've been going where, you know, you can control everything. And the disturb us, Lord, is disturb us when you're trying to keep it all under control. Disturb us when we're trying to keep it all together. Because that's not a life lived with resurrection power. A life of resurrection power has put us in the storm because in the storm we're going to see your stars. In the storm we're going to see your majesty. In these places of being uncomfortable, we're going to see you and not us, right? That's the whole reason. Disturb us when we get way too comfortable with our life. And I hope that that will be not only my prayer, but the prayer for us as a church. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, as we end today, Lord, we pray for the power of the resurrection to be something that we believe. Lord, I pray that we together as a church will understand what it means to live a resurrected life. That we won't get caught up in just being comfortable and existing, Lord, but we will live with the power to be able to change the world. 
But Lord, Heavenly Father, we just pray and continue to pray that the things that we do in our lives will bring glory to you and to you alone. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
You know, I settled something a long time ago in my heart, and I want for each one of us to try to figure this out. Like, something that changed dramatically for me was when I settled this. I believe in a God who turns seas into highways. And I believe in a God who takes dead bones and turns them into armies. And I believe in a God that are raising people from the dead. Like, I settled that. Like, I don't know what it's going to happen around me, and I don't know what's going on, but I am going to believe, and the actions of my life are going to be dictated because I believe it. And I want to see it happen in my lifetime. I want to be used, and I want to see dead bones coming alive. I want to see seas turned into highways. I want to see God's revival in the life of his people. That's what I'm here for. And when I'm in this earth, I'm going to live as if I believe those things. And so we're going to go out singing today, you know, those things. And again, will we believe it and will we live that way?